Okay. So, so yeah. So, this is the Smooth Elbow Podcast, and oh, yeah. I am Bloop Intuition. I am Turtle Duck. Turtle Duck. Awesome. And I had a thought, which is that I keep trying to convince myself that I exist by inserting I and me every other word in my sentences. And I don't know what the problem is. I do know what the problem is. It's my uh, irritate. What's the ear? When you, when you, uh, not, not irritate, but yeah, irritate, irritated ego. It's like when you, like inflating. Yeah. Inflate. Well, you know, when you like poke something enough and then it arises, what's the word for that? Um, I'd say that's inflating. Inflating. Or um, disturbing more. Disturbing. Something. Oh, it's so close. There's a word. There there is a word for that, Uh, but I don't know what it is. uh, It's not coming to mind. Dang it. Um, But yeah, and I don't know why. I wish that wasn't the case because um, that draws you out of the present moment because that's the whole point of Radical Honesty, the book, which I guess I read and I guess I felt smart for reading um but which i guess that makes the author feel smart because now he knows that a bunch of people are feeling smart reading his book and that just makes him able to you know uh, get off on that or whatever so nice yeah that's the whole point of reading a book i guess is to like it's it's really an intellectual it's a it's a collective intellectual jerk off just like the whole thing is writing a book and then putting it out in the public having other people like even just even just the even if it's a critique, the energy mm-hmm. they're spending on the critique is like super flattering. So, but that that is off topic. That, yeah. That's interesting, mm-hmm. but it's off topic. We should save that for another time. That's true. What was the topic? The topic, topic was, was. Go ahead. Uh, using like personal pro- pronouns to con- convince yourself you exist. Right. That was the topic. Do you do that? I I do do that. I just did it nice. twice. Um, awesome. I think. But was crap. the motive behind that trying to convince yourself, or reminding yourself you exist? I don't see how you can live without that constant reminder. It mm. seems like part of the human condition is to reaffirm your presence. Right. Um, so it's inescapable. You're saying you're saying this is almost an arbitrary discussion then because it's inescapable. In a way, so yes. Even if, so even if we point out that that's the motive, what's the point of pointing out that that's the motive? Because it fills the air. Oh, sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Epic, dude. And as you were yeah. talking about uh, authors being a collective jerk-off, this would also be stroking our egos quite a bit. Oh my gosh. Yeah, seriously. No, <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Um, I have fingernails. What's the other thing? Oh, we were talking about... So we had a conversation. We were talking about what's the difference between sexualized friendship and romance because I am totally uneducated, virgin, and also not in a relationship, never been in a relationship. I'm just totally, it's all abstract theoretical in the air for me. I have no idea, no grounding, no control group. So I asked my friend here because the, 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 you know, you see so many relationships where it's obviously just overtly sexual and there's nothing, nothing happening. They don't actually have anything in common. It's going to end in a week, whatever. And then you have other relationships where it's just friends with benefits. We Netflix and chill, you know? Um, but what, what is the key factor that, uh, takes romance and makes romance romance. And I think you said it really well, right? All right. So, um, characterized by, I think like from, from my perspective and my experiences, romance seems to be more like a, like a thing all in its own. Um, like you can have that passion and that desire, but that doesn't necessarily translate to romance. I think Mm -hmm. that's more, that's kind of its own animal. Right. Um, but romance in itself is more like the the kindness of wanting, like an innocent desire to want to know somebody more 
and to pursue that by whatever means that you both agree right so it's the character it's characterized by the the it's like the chase the game you know it's like it's the discovery like the pushing the envelope right like towards a deeper yeah there's there's a there's an implication that you're going towards something deeper it's not just this uh uh, sterile stagnant you know it's not whereas whereas a friends with benefits isn't going yeah you know that's just like taking their sexual energy and throwing it back at them or throwing yours at them and like kind of just doing that over and over but that's not romance in the sense that it's going anywhere right right um so i'd say that collective motion forward towards a future and towards the betterment of each other is what makes romance its own thing and that's what and that the lack of that i guess is where some people become disenchanted when it move when it transitions into that more peaceful wholesome uh like like monogamous long-term thing yeah i guess a lot of people it, since it's the less of the excitement of romance it, it uh i guess a lot of my impression is from you know reading culture just every like over the years just information from all different places uh is that people get disenchanted with that and then go extramarital affairs and all that just to reclaim that feeling of pushing the envelope and of deepening the deepening of a relationship yeah. which means to continue uh, maintaining a, uh, continuous state of like spicing things up and like, um, revitalizing the, the depth that the the, newness, the newness. Right. And so that's what, and that's why you, isn't that, isn't that a good, um, sorry, we're backtracking because man, we had this conversation and then we were like, crap, we weren't recording. And so we went and recorded it. Um, do over. Um, so the thing there, like with like seeking that newness, and, like, our, our curiosity is naturally drawn to that. We want that. Right. But just because you have somebody good that you've been with and that you know doesn't mean that it'll still feel that way in the future. Um, but at the same time, people are ever-changing. They're never the same. Like, the person you marry one year from now, mm-hmm. even, even the next day, could be completely different from where they were when you first made that decision. Right. So I think... Part of it is an inherent lack of communication and like and seeking that. Because if you did communicate, you would see that the person's yeah. different. You would oh. see that there's so much more to them every yeah, day as yeah, they grow yeah, and yeah. evolve and become a new person. But instead, most just relationships to the routine. You have, know? Yeah, yeah, they they're based on routine things. That well, just so kind then. Of Oh, um, sorry. No, it's okay. I you were literally about to finish your thought, and I just cut you off. Okay, oh. two things. So the two um criteria then right would Mm be or two very very important criteria for choosing a mate would be uh towards this end of like being able to have your relationship revitalize your romance revitalize your passion revitalized would be uh firstly communication and secondly a will to change and like a will towards like the truth a will towards um betterment and 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 having you know having opinions having like being a dynamic uh, thing right because and so opinions change they like who you marry is going to have wildly different opinions like based on like news whatever is being shoved down their throat that mm-hmm. that that, uh, that facet or like school or work or whatever wherever they are whoever they're around is going to shape their personality and their wants and their dislikes and their likes and their opinions mm-hmm. but at the same time you also shape that and you kind of help mold that person into who they are. So 
What? So really, the most important thing is that they're dynamic enough to accept that molding. I think the most important thing is that they're seeking what you seek. So right. whether what you seek is truth, morality, whether what you seek is like even just something like money or fame or something like that, whether like whatever, similar values, which yeah. I mean is cliche, but true. whatever yeah. the core thing that they want to do with their life is. That should match what yours. Because is. they're gonna grow, but they're gonna grow in that direction. Yes. And so and if you guys are both growing, that. if you guys are yes. both growing in that direction, then that that compounds on itself and is great, right? Yeah. Um, and they're gonna continue compounding on what they want right. out of life throughout their entire life. So if it's something that you want as well, then it's going to interest you, and it's going to. So keep though you you're gonna change, there. and though you're going to always be revitalized, and you know, and everything's gonna change, and you guys are always gonna be changing it's still going to be in the same direction. Uh, so we were talking about that with with regards to um, happiness too. And like one of the big refutes to utilitarianism is that uh, net happiness in the present moment is not the only thing that we value, but it is also trajectory. And so that could apply to, that could apply to this as well, to yeah. change, right? Like it's not just, it's not just whether or not whether or not the spouse is willing to change or whether or not they're stubborn, stubborn rigid, set in their yeah. ways. But it's also where are they changing to? Yeah. And so both of those things, you want to make sure that they're able to change, make sure that where they're changing towards is, you know, similar direction or whatever, mm -hmm. similar values. And then also that there's open communication back and forth between those changes that are happening in yeah. you guys. Um, um, yeah. And like, honestly, I would say at this point from my understanding, uh, what, what I see in relationships in people, like older people who've been married for 30, 40 years mm -hmm. and people, which, like, which not, isn't always an indicator of quality. Yeah, like some of those are exactly. miserable, but, but, um, that's where I'm going with like it. held together with social convention, but so from social, convention. from seeing relationships of all kinds throughout my, uh, 19 going on 20 years of life. Oh, dude, I've same, seen, same, yeah. same girl, same. <laughs> I've seen that. Like, I, I would think it would go better for a relationship between two people who are completely rigid, stuck in their ways, and have completely opposing political and moral views. I think that would be better for those two people to be married. I think that would last longer if they understood each other than for two people who have the same political and religious views, but don't have that rigidity and don't have that kind of stubbornness that keeps them that way. I think if they are going to change... like. If your change is going in opposite directions, you're not going to stay together for long. Oh, so you're saying, so you're saying if you had to choose between stubborn, at least be stubborn in the same core areas, whereas well, like you would yes. rather have that versus the bad trajectory of change, yes. like a differing trajectory yes. of change. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Actually. I'd rather have Which, no change at all than, than uh, changing in separate trajectory. Of change. Right. But conversely like changing in the same direction is better than a stubborn yes, relationship. Of course. Okay. Yeah. 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 Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Man, but that's I think, cool. I think something with no change could work if people could do that, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think there are people who manage that. Right. Well, because some people are more stubborn some people are more volatile and uh, elastic, I guess, than others. Yeah. And of course that's, that's also with age. If you're yeah. older, you're just not as malleable as you were when you were younger. Yeah. And so, you know, yeah. not saying old people can't change, just saying it's like an up, an upward battle, uphill battle, deck, deck stacked, whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. No, that's cool. That's cool. Um, and that was that was pretty much. So that caught us up to where. Uh, right. Now, what For we said at part? the beginning. What was that? Uh, the. Oh, oh, the like I'm trying to convince myself I exist. Yeah, which that's what terror management theory. Uh, says they say that um, according to this theory, everything is either in denial of or prevention of death. 
or mm. all of human behavior is motivated towards yeah. those ends, which um, I guess some would dispute on uh, evolutionary grounds because according to the theory of evolution, it's not only to prevent death and deny death, but it's also to uh, forward life yeah. um, and reproduce. <clears throat> so I guess there's that. But, but they would say that that's not out of a motive to that. Well, but does that conflict with evolution though? I don't think it does because you could say that that uh, is that passing of the genes is in a sense a preservation of yourself, or at least you see as that as an extension of yourself, kind of the legacy thing. But like they say, that... like art too falls into that legacy category of you know being something that we do out of trying to permanent ourselves even after we're gone. Like we're not going to know this podcast is yeah. being listened to after we're dead. It's no use to us, and we're no we're no more alive for it yeah. than we would be otherwise. But we still record the podcast, and it still gives me comfort to know that something that I'm saying is being recorded, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think you were gonna say something. Sorry. To those ends. Um, oh wait, 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 wait. Correct. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pause. Wait. Okay, keep going. Sorry. All right. So I think to that end, um, I'd say that doesn't cover a lot of human behavior, mm -hmm. because you do have that side of humanity that is pushing towards new life, new like regenerating genes and mm -hmm. moving forward, pushing forward. But there is a lot of self-destructive and just generally destructive behavior right, built yeah. into human mm -hmm. beings. And that's the biggest um, refute, yeah. So I think, like, Ugh. yes, that is true to an extent, but it doesn't cover the complicated networks that make up human behavior. Right, and some would say that what motivates human behavior more is emotion, which, as you, you said, can lead towards destructive ends, not just, you know... It's not just preserve. If people were more motivated by, well, that also depends on how you how you view the translation of motivation to action. Because some people think that that's an interesting question: is whether or not people people's actions accurately reflect their motivations. Like like people who people who eat unhealthy, is it that they are, is it that they are not motivated to eat healthy? You know, like are they yeah. are they actually. Do they actually value eating healthy and are, they're just failing their values or are, are they actually are they actually motivated by the unhealthy food, right? And so um, But then that would bring us to, you know, what's the difference between those two? Between holding this value and letting it go and not having it at all. Right. And that's a big that's a big question, I guess. And it's like what how does that influence action? Like does does someone's actions do they reflect what they want or do, or is it sometimes a mistaken way of to yeah. get what they want? You know, is it, Oh, like does someone who, well, but you know, your, your intuition is that, Oh, there are ways to be mistaken about yeah. going about getting what you want. Like we make mistakes all the time trying to get mm -hmm. what we want. And I know from personal experience, you can make a mistake trying to get what you want. So that's the initial thought. But then again, uh, like there are some things where, it seems just so blanket statement like that goes against your professed yeah. uh, goals that either those goals are not actually your goals or or you've got something going on. Or yeah, yeah, yeah there's something. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, I think there is a fine line between that. I don't necessarily know how to prove it. I don't like I don't think yeah, there this isn't about would proof. be a this way. This is a podcast. This is yeah. not about proof. I don't think there would be a way to prove that there is a difference between abandoning a value or holding it like abandoning a value but still holding it or not having that value at all. I don't think there's a like an empirical way to prove that a difference between right. those two exists. Yeah. But my hope for now. 
is that just because you go against the like what you profess as what you built your life on doesn't necessarily mean that that's what you want or that's what you believe um mm. and of course i have no like there's not much logical behind that it's mostly just from experiences that i've had in my life that kind of like i right. know as a christian i am nowhere near perfect like it's it's not like most of what mm. i do does not reflect my faith but i still hold that i believe it Right. And in a lot of people's eyes, that would mean that I am, like, wrong. That I don't hold the beliefs that I do. Right. And I think they're right to an extent. Like, in their eyes, it doesn't make sense that I actually mm-hmm. have those beliefs. You wouldn't hold I, it against them for thinking that. Yeah. But at the same time, you But can at the disagree. same time, I yeah. know in my heart that I do hold these beliefs and these values. And even though I get it wrong a lot of the time, that... That doesn't mean that I don't believe mm-hmm. that. Well, and that also that also goes into the distinction between belief and knowledge and like yeah. faith and knowledge. And so someone who someone who looks at a Christian and thinks, oh, they're not being true to their what they think is not like like which which isn't. Oh, man. OK, so there's this there's faith is often marketed as knowledge, right? Yeah. Like by religious community, they're like, oh, we know God exists. We know this. We know that mm-hmm. it's all the confidence, the bravado, whatever. And um, the patriotism for your religion, whatever it is, you know, so that impresses on the skeptics that, okay, they're treating this as knowledge. Therefore, these people are total loon bagged, right? Yeah. Because if it was actually knowledge, then they would actually know that everyone's going to hell and they would know. Well, they'd be able to prove it to me, one, and two, they would act accordingly. Yeah. But the thing is a lot of people, they don't actually know it's it's a faith, right? And so it's like a feeling. A faith doesn't. Faith doesn't necessarily motivate action as strong as knowledge uh, does, even if you can hold a faith, yeah. right? And even if you have both, um, even if you have both faith and knowledge, that doesn't necessarily motivate you to action. Mm-hmm. Um, there are plenty of situations where, like, even if we know something causes physical problems, even if we know the Bible says it's wrong, that doesn't mean we're not going to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, like, it's it's a weird dichotomy that makes up what we do but um i don't think it's necessarily like a lack of drive or purpose right well and then the thing is you can't take those instances of not staying true to the values in isolation you have to look at the whole of the life which is like you know there are there are times where the action you know you have to take okay how often did this value come into play and where you know and are these places where it did come into play not strong enough to uh, to discount the places where it didn't mm-hmm. as uh, as uh, oh crap what oh crap no stop 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 no, it's stop like, it's like... no 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 so you you'll want to discount you'll want to discount some of those no go ahead yeah man dang it crap it's um so how how I'm kind of seeing it now is like my weakness as a person doesn't necessarily equate to the weakness of my belief system or my beliefs in that belief system. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I can be a weak person who doesn't stand up for what I believe and still believe in something that's right, and I think that goes for both sides, you know? Right. Like, a lot of people... It doesn't account for the weakness of yeah. wills. Like, saying yeah. that saying that beliefs, or b- beliefs and knowledge automatically translate into action, that doesn't account for weakness of wills. Yeah. And I think there are a lot of situations that we encounter where it's like, I know this is right or I know this is wrong, but I don't have the will to do mm. what should be done. Oh, 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 this is so interesting. So um, Friedrich Nietzsche, 
read I was reading Beyond Good and Evil this uh, afternoon, which is one of his books. I read the first chapter, and he had a whole paragraph about or a whole section about the will because he says that we clump willpower into this one uh, box, but he he suggests splitting it up into. Um, not suggest. He just says that, like, look, willpower, all the motivations that drive someone are just too complicated to just condense into willpower. Yeah. There's, you know, what are you running away from? What are you running towards? Uh, what are, oh, I forget the rest of the quote, um, but, you know, there's a bunch of different factors there. And yeah. so not all of that, not all of that is hinging on your beliefs and your yeah. knowledge as far as an abstract conception. Well, and Nietzsche would agree that. Most beliefs, like we were talking about earlier, are I don't know if this was in the podcast or not. If we talked about this on, yeah, on the podcast, but um, most beliefs are functions are are like what people propose because they work for them on a deep emotional level, and then they mm-hmm. just abstract it, they reason it out, they top brain rationalize yeah. it, they rationalize what their gut thinks into this logical form, and then promote that as something that they just stumbled upon in their search for truth. Yeah. When in reality, they're marketing it as motivated by their search for truth, when really it's motivated by being congruent with what their gut thinks, which yeah. which even if it is l- like true, logically true, the the motivation behind promoting this logic isn't a search for logic or truth. Yeah. And so um that plays into I think willpower that, and motivation somehow. <laughs> yeah. I think I that know. that explains a lot of behavior on every side of any debate, you know? Right. Um people out of their search for what their gut tells them will will right. logically prove anything because logic uh-huh. is an imperfect tool. Um, and, uh, if, if you want well, to go well, that well, well, we well, well, so, okay. That, that, dep- so logic is imperfect insofar as you apply it to things that you don't know when it's, when it's so philosophy, that's the interesting thing about philosophy compared to like science is mm-hmm. that like science is concerned with what you know, mm-hmm. once something is, hits facts and knowledge, it goes from philosophy to science. Right. Yeah. And so, um, the interesting thing about philosophy then is that just by nature of doing some of the most important questions that people derive the most deep sense of existential well-being, meaning, whatever, from are philosophical questions. They're yeah. not scientific questions. We don't know anything yet. And so that that's the, that's the primal tension of humanity right now, or of all time, I guess, is that um, it's this tension between the side of you that wants to be logically coherent, congruent, or whatever, and the side of you that really longs and thirsts for that deep sense of meaning, right? Yeah. That deep sense of rich meaning. And... Um, both of those, and some people, their brain flares up like warning signals. Hey, this is not logical at all. Get out, get the f out right now. Yeah. And so those people can't stand like you know like church, religion, or even even other ideas. So this was, and this is what uh, Nietzsche was going against was um was all of these like idealistic idea like um like dualism, like the idea of a soul, morality, just stuff like that, where it's mm-hmm. like, we don't know it, you know? Yeah. And um, and he was saying that, okay, all these people, all these other philosophers promoting these ideas, they're fakers. They're doing it yeah. out of a fake motivation. This isn't what they logically stood behind out of a search for truth. Um, yeah. And so the thing is, I don't hold it against Nietzsche, uh, Nietzsche for pr- promoting, for saying that, for saying that idea, because um, in his time superstition and stuff really impeded scientific progress and scientific focus right nowadays we have tons of scientific focus and progress as is and i think there needs to be a little leeway for having facets of life where we 
except the except the speculation, even though oh oh sorry, sorry, sorry. So back up, back up, back up. Philosophy not concerning knowledge, it concerns beliefs, right? Yeah. So the interesting thing about that is that philosophy is way easier to do negatively than positively. Because yeah. negatively, because because just by nature of it being speculative, any argument you put out is going to be flawed, right? Yeah. In some way. about Unless it's a negative argument, unless yeah. it's a refutation. And so there's this huge debunking culture, right? This huge like, oh, that's fake. Oh, this whole skepticism thing, right? Yeah. This relativism, skepticism, just materialist, like, you know, cold hard facts. And, um... And, you know, that's that's partially a, a product of, A, the scientists, and B, which their their job wasn't meaning necessarily either. Their job was, like, find the truth. Yeah. Um, and B, philosophers, and C, lawyers, I guess. Um, and so, but the thing is, we desperately need that rich meaning, and we need it, and we have a primal drive to not only find truth, but also find meaning, right? Yeah. And so, um, so... I guess we need forums for that, even if it's not... We need forums for that, which some people... It hasn't bled into science in a long time. It's still bleeding into politics a little bit. So there are still people hung up over religious communities, faith communities, all of that, yeah. for trying to get political. And I totally understand that. But okay, I'm so we recorded a thing, a rant, and I'm going to try and rant it again a little bit better this time. So We got drinks now. Yep, yeah, we got drinks. We got Mountain <laughs> Dew. So there are three, three things, three... Uh, three things that are very, very conducive to well-being, happiness, and self-esteem, according to the Six Pillars of Self-Esteem. Not That's not me. Um, that's a book. That's a book from a psychotherapist. That, you know? Psychotherapist dude from like the 19-somethings. I don't know. Um, but it's really, it's a good, it's a good read, dude. Right. It's solid. Check um, it out. Yeah. And so, so there are three, so, so philosophy by nature of being philosophy concerns itself with things we don't know, right? Yeah. And um, once it, once we do know, that's when it turns into science. Okay. And so philosophy is by nature way easier to do when you're being negative than when you're being positive, when you're generating, when you're, when you're being generative, when you're producing a idea philosophically, you're producing an idea on uncertain ground because we don't know, right? That's so just a characteristic a lot easier of philosophy. To destroy a philosophy than to create one. Exactly. And that is the big problem because there are three core philosophies that people derive a lot of meaning from and a lot of richness and depth from in their lives. One of these being the soul, the idea of a soul, because that gives people the core existential well-being, right? The idea that I have a soul, I'm immortal, whatever. Whether or not it's true, it gives people a sense of comfort. You're not anxious about death all the time, right? So before we go on from that, let's can we can we dig into that a little bit? Yeah. So the soul provides this sense, like uh, believing in a soul provides this sense of security in mm -hmm. that life is not temporary. Um, well, it is, and but it also well, doesn't matter simultaneously. Yeah. You know. Because you exist beyond just this physical body. Mm -hmm. You are something more. And that provides hope. That right. provides a room for something else. You're more than your brain. You're more than your body. And that would open up different religions and belief systems based on, well, whatever truth people say that they have obtained. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, I guess I just kind of wanted to make it clear, you know, having having the idea of some kind of permanence outside of your body is... A reassuring thing like that's not just that's not just oh my religion tells me this so i say it that's right this is like a logical conclusion like you 
having some kind of thing to fall back on makes you feel safe. Right. It makes you feel secure. Mm-hmm. And well, I mean, even if it's not necessarily a logical conclusion, it's a it's almost a necessity. Your your body demands it of you. Your brain in such a deep way, like your psyche demands <laughs> it of you. Even if you don't believe in a soul, you're gonna lull yourself into a state of of trance like not taking things for granted. Because you just you default your body defaults to like taking things for granted, right? Yeah. As if you were immortal. So like either way, um it demands it of you. Anyway. But that plays into the second one, which is um which is morality, which morality is under attack definitely as being an objective, you know, it's morality is being uh, like, oh, it's a feature of evolution. It's this, it's that it's to, it's a human fiction, whatever. It's not given the objective sacred uh, Plato's forms status, which I think I've said Plato's forms before. You what I mean by that. This, so I, oh, okay. So let's, it. well, so Plato's forms is, uh, it, it was his idea that properties of things have their own essence separate from the things. So like there is a redness separate from everything that's red. Yeah. So, um, so even if something that has that thing ceases to exist, the thing will still exist. So yeah. uh, things that count as forms, you got morality, you got logic, math, you got um, beauty, truth, things like that, where it's like, you know, um, there are these idealists, there, there's these ideals. There's It's the idea that ideals are eternal almost, yeah. you know? And so um, <clears throat> that that is very, 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 very much under attack, both in Beyond Good and Evil uh, Nietzsche's book, uh, which I don't totally blame him for because, uh, you know, all of the superstitions and stuff were kind of hindering scientific progress, uh, making people do a bunch of stuff. Nowadays, I think we can give a little bit more leeway to it, especially since people find so much meaning from it, which I'm describing later. And also since it's not impeding scientific pro it is impeding political pro pro uh, progress a little bit. Anyway, so the three areas, um, <coughs> It's morality. It's uh, it's the soul, which gives people an existential sense of well-being. It's morality, which gives people a sense of responsibility and accountability, or, or and integrity. And no, 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 which gives people a sense of integrity and free will, which gives people a sense of accountability and responsibility. And those three things: existential well-being, uh, integrity, and accountability. Though and responsibility, those things. So that's four things. <laughs> I can't count. I'm a philosopher. No, I can't okay. count. Um, I'm a philosopher. I'm a philosopher. No, like I mean, it's dumb. Like everyone's a philosopher nowadays. Like it's the internet. I mean, everyone can think for themselves. It's really there's nothing special about it anymore. Um, those three things contribute so deeply to self-esteem, to happiness, to well-being, to just overall emotional stability. You know? Yeah. That it's it's it's. It's really, really hasty and presumptuous to just throw that out on the grounds that, oh, it's not logically consistent, it's not this, it's not that. I mean, uh, um, lot, uh, Six Pillars of Self-Esteem, that's what I was going to mention. So the book Six okay. Pillars of Self-Esteem, I was reading it, right? And I was thinking, mm -hmm. man, half of these pillars are like are, are based on ideas that are, are definitely being... When I say under attack, okay, under attack is kind of a cheesy... Right, that's a little bit ugh, under attack, like whoa. Well, but I mean, the, it gets the point across pretty well. Yeah, <clears throat> um, like by materialism uh, and you know all this, all this science, which I don't hate science bitterly. I just I don't like it when um, I, what is it? Yeah, so that, that's pretty much my thought.
But so, so let's let's explore kind of. So we went into belief in like the soul and the spirit, some kind of permanence outside of just your body. Mm. Let's go into morality. Um, so where, what what facets of morality do you think produce this integrity? Oh well, it doesn't necessarily produce well, integrity, produce but a feeling of integrity in people. It it gives people. Okay, I can't speak for people because I I honestly don't know. Um, oh wait, 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 wait. The six pillars of self-esteem. Uh, there's a chapter in the book on integrity, and it's it's the sense that just the act of holding values and staying true to those values in a moral, righteous sense of like being righteous to your values. Mm-hmm. is very critical to self-esteem. The people who are like nihilistic, who, you know, uh, not a care in the world, live and let live, like, and I'm just going to ruin myself, right? And who, and especially the people who cheat themselves, right? And who make promises to themselves they don't keep and don't, and, you know, are two-faced. They like say they they think one thing morally and then they do another. Those people like have severe taxes on self-esteem, and are just less happy, right? Whereas someone who, like, at the end of the day, rests their head in, in peace, knowing, like, okay, I did the right thing, those people have a lot of this, are better, are better off, you know? So staying true to your virtues gives you that sense of... Right. Not, not quite superiority, but and that having sense of virtues. certainty in yourself. Yes. That yeah. you and can be who you think you should be. Right. And to do that, you need virtues in the first place. And that's, yeah. you know, and that's one of the things that are under attack because a huge, a huge thing right now is like, uh, morality as a feature of evolution, which I mean, doesn't make sense to me on multiple grounds, but, yeah. but, but, um, but which I don't necessarily blame them for proposing that idea because evolution is just such a big like topic right now. And a lot of it is bad. There's a lot of evidence. I mean, but, but as far as morality goes, it's very, it cheapens morality to such a low degree that, um, it definitely threatens that, you know, most moral, like, uh, what's the word? Most centers for morality, most sources of moral content, um, are religions and like from from my studies into different religions um, studying into like all all different types of things from like Islam to Hinduism Shintoism like Judaism Christianity all these different things I see that they all have their own moral standard to an extent um, and with that being said that like the idea of a moral standard they they all have these certain things that they entail mostly mm-hmm. not not every time but for the most part just the fact that they have standards yeah well, for the most part religions are the things that are promoting people to be moral rather than government right or right political yeah uh-huh. mm-hmm. yeah um but that being said it's like there's no way to prove anyone for like empirically um that's not quite what i was trying to say um well what were you trying to say i'm trying to i'm trying to remember it it like fell out of my mind was it were you going towards the fact that like because these uh religious institutions are uh, under attack that in turn attacks morality or or well okay there it is so um not necessarily that but that the fact that morality is derived from religious institutions and as a culture we are fleeing from or that. historically has been yeah, yeah. um 
So as a culture, we are pushing that away. We're saying, no, we don't care about your tradition or your religion. We're going to be who You're saying we are. that by proxy also turns away morality for yes. a lot of people. Yeah, and, and I would that, agree that with kind that. Of Which say what morality. say what you will about the valid, validity of pushing away religions, right? I mean, there are tons yeah. of valid reasons why people like stray away from religious yeah. practice, but in turn, they don't look for substitutions of trying to find meaning in yeah. morality elsewhere. Yeah, that's Which a huge problem. I, I Which think, cheapens their life and yeah. hurts their self-esteem. Yeah, and I see that more in myself than anyone else. Like I'm not, I'm not. It's not to. It's not a uh, condemning thing. It's just yeah. something that I think is dangerous. You know. Yeah, and it's it's something that that's a strong hurts, point you made. Like an internal part of you, whether you mm. realize it's there or not. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely. The third one was um, was free will, which free, free will, will that takes away your sense of accountability. Like I was literally yeah. reading, like I read, um, I read, <laughs> what did I read? Well, yeah, no, self uh, six pillars of self esteem. One of the key tenets of that, it well, not only does morality presuppose free will because intention intent yeah. is a huge part of uh, morality, right? Yeah. So for intent to be a thing, you need free will. Also, which that was Kant's that was Kant's point, Immanuel Kant, which uh. I like him a lot, um, but yeah, Nietzsche, 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 Nietzsche kind of attacked Kant with his whole, uh, you're just, you're just trying to present it as abstract, like, uh, truth findings when really you're, you know, you're mm. just, so, um, which I, I read more than a paragraph of Beyond Good and Evil. I read like the whole first chapter, so I'm, I'm pretty much, you know, the wokest person. No, 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 it's fine. <laughs> um, but anyways, that was Kant's point was like, look, because free will exists, because morality exists, we can infer free will, um, yeah. because we need free will. So, for for moral for you to have any control for any sense of morality to matter, and I think that's that's a huge gap that I see in a lot of uh, like morality stemming from evolution. Uh, morality because being a feature of evolution, you I know? think morality being a feature of evolution because evolution implies would, uh, determinism, yeah, usually, or is like, usually paired with well, determinism. Even still, why would you evolve self-deprecating traits? Mm-hmm, like right. morality teaches you to fight against your instincts like to fight right. against what your body tells you is natural and what mm-hmm. your mind tells you is natural so in that it couldn't have come it like from my opinion obviously there are people who disagree right and obviously this is our opinions because it's yeah. a podcast or that's your opinion because you're on the podcast my opinion slightly well no i don't know oh we're about to say the opinion but, um, so yeah go ahead sorry but so my opinion would be that if morality were derived from like if objective morality were derived from darwinism from evolution it would not be what kind of what our laws of, of the world imply mm-hmm. um because oh, we have shoot. no it's okay it's okay oh, crap i i've done that tons of times. oh thank goodness you've done it um, tons of times man uh, that, no, no, mountain no dew, I mean, i'm sorry no mountain dew was wasted during the making of this podcast um, oh my gosh! No, oh, dude, dude, leave it alone. Oh, it's okay. You're literally leave it alone. What yeah, it's world? okay. Oh, that's um, funny. All right, let's leave a silent pause so we can cut that. All right. So, um, so how that relates to free will, I guess. Um, my point would be that morality and free will both would kind of oppose Darwinism, in that morality would not be what guided our system like our system of laws that we have in america but also like the un different organizations that exist that police 
the world and try to keep people from committing atrocities, mm-hmm. those things wouldn't be considered atrocities if we had only evolved a sense of morality instead of being given one from a different source. Mm-hmm. Um, because I don't think... Oh, you're saying that if morality was an evolutionary a trait of... Uh... If morality was a trait of evolution... Most people wouldn't turn to these institutions for... Yeah. Oh, it would, that's... Whoa. It would be hmm. our defining factor. Our Like, our defining factor would be our gut instincts, and our... Like, that would be our morality. Right, and we wouldn't and be wouldn't overriding matter. our instincts. Yeah, or we wouldn't have any desire to override our instincts if that was morality. Our desires would meet... Yeah, because there's this impression that a lot of our desire... Like, whenever... A common a common thing is like you you in psychology they point to like a desire we have and they 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 connect it to like okay how that re- relates to you uh, reproducing and being the dominant uh, natural selection whatever um, but the thing is is that yeah most if morality was a feature of evolution you'd expect it to be on that level but most yeah. of the time morality is that what's overriding those things so yeah yeah that's interesting and then. Um, yeah. Like, if somebody does something horrible to one of your loved ones, like if somebody like kills your dad or something, like uh-huh. you're going to want to harm them. But our laws say that's not moral. Right. Yeah. Um, and um and like laws just laws that aren't based on like one person's desires for whatever. Well, like, you could argue that laws do that for the sake of uh for the sake of like the society at large, like but that would not still, collapsing, you that know, still would not necessarily. And and for a while, our judicial system would incriminate people because of retribution, yeah. not because of it was it was the idea that like we needed to do things civilly, not because that was the moral way, but because that was the way to get retribution while also not making everyone be their own vigilante yeah. and like destroying society. Um, but 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 but, uh. The key, I think, the the thing about evolution uh, spawning morality is that it, that would imply that morality is completely self interested. You know, yeah. because at the end of the Which day, it's just obviously it's not obviously one hundred percent it's not. And the <clears> thing <throat> is, is that um, you can survive and pass on uh, genes without a humanity as a whole species flourishing. You know, yeah. and it's not. Whereas you know. So like a lot of moral things, it's like when you implement them. What is it? No, I'm trying to I'm trying to foresee a rebut and then rebut that rebut in my core and it's not working. Okay, never mind. Um, but yeah, it's completely. It doesn't account for sacrifice. Yeah. It doesn't account. It doesn't account for sacrifice. Just basically, that's basically yeah. it. It doesn't account for sacrifice. So it accounts for. Now you could say, okay, we see pro-social behavior in three-year-olds and chimps and bonobos. You know, whatever. But we also see, um, like, different animals going out and killing the ones that make them mad. Like, right, yeah. It's not, it's not just because we see this once in animals and we see this in, like, young children. That doesn't necessarily mean that they are moral beings. Right, right. Um, and, yeah. like, so it's a, it's a weird cross. Like, it, the reality meets philosophy at a weird place on things like that mm-hmm, right um, and that's the weird thing because like you can't just discard revolution uh yeah. bleh, evolution but at the same time like as having no effect on morality but at the same time saying that morality is 100 percent hingent or organic from evolution just seems totally like off like yeah. uh, uh, intuitively not only intuitively but yeah logically i mean if it's self-interested then things theoretically things should be moral only insofar as they 
help me and my offspring, right? Which yeah. you can easily do while watching the entire world burn, right? Yeah. And we condemn people for doing that, but I mean, it's totally possible. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and then there's these weaker rebuts to that where it's like, well, you're just creating a better world for your future uh, but you're not. kids. But like, that's not necessarily the case. Right, right. Like, you could be... You could like, be being the moral world could be and doing then... whatever because you aren't the world. You don't decide what happens in the world. So uh-huh. really, that should be none of your business. So even morally. if you change on an individual level and are moral your entire life, then your kids still could grow up in a shithouse. Yeah, you know? like, and it's like not... that, your, your morality isn't hingent upon society's morality. Yeah whether morality exists at all so like i would want to like cap this by saying like oh man you know if you disagree like totally call in or make a comment or what but i don't i don't actually want to disagree with anyone that's sort of this podcast is mainly a forum for uh me to have opinions opinions and not and not be it's it's not not be attacked for them so um it's not necessarily about what's true i don't want to feel attacked yeah it's not it's not about well it is about what's well well, it is it's about what we believe yeah like based off of our current beliefs, well, are seeking what is true and what's not. Well, right. I mean, we already said about. like philosophy is like about what not what we know, but what we uh, believe, and yeah. so um, or what we don't believe, and <clears> so <throat> you know, uh, so everything on here is subject to change, and everything on here is uh, is is conjecture, but yeah. it's still fun for conjecture's sake, and and I don't I don't feel like getting people to disagree with my conjectures is conducive to my well-being because as we said morality mm-hmm. and uh what are the other two <laughs> free will and um it's the the belief in the soul the spirit. the spirit right and dual uh, substance dualism those beliefs are conducive to self-esteem and happiness and well-being and rich deep meaning and the tension between rich deep meaning and between logical coherency is not one that we are going to entertain in this podcast, right? Because this is where we get to freaking enjoy ourselves <coughs> and indulge in this deep meaning without getting these freaking nihilistic, materialistic, just buzz kills coming in like, oh, you don't matter. Life is meaningless. We're all going to die. Like, shut up, man. Just, just shut up. No one wants to hear you. Yeah. Um, all right. So our final point. Final. What's Which your final was, point? Uh, well, were we going to talk about? Um, was it free will? Free will. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, free will. Uh, free will. Yeah. So you need it for morality. So I believe in free will, and so far as I believe in morality, which I do, and even if morality is a human fiction, it's a really useful one. So stop telling me that morality is relative because no one's going to treat it like it's relative. Such an arbitrary point. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So free will is actually. I think what's the famous uh, test that they did where like the part of your brain lights up before oh. you choose and then the scientists are like, oh, that means your brain chose for you before you're conscious of it. There is this it, disconnect between like, like consciousness and <clears> – <throat> but that totally intuitively does – because you have a sense of scanning, yeah. right? Like you have a sense of I'm scanning for yeah. this action and then I take the action, right? Yeah. So there seems to be an a- applied consciousness uh, kind of aspect to it. And I think when um, it comes down to heavy decisions, I don't think that's necessarily always the case. Like, uh-huh. I, I don't know what kind of study that was. I remember it was, like, split-second decisions. Yeah. It was like, oh, would you prefer this arbitrary thing or that arbitrary thing? Right. It's something so, that actually matters. I uh-huh. don't think it's always that case. Right. Like, and I'm, that was my thought, too. If I'm doing something and an important decision pops up, a lot of the time I do have a first gut instinct, like, oh, I should do this. Right. But and that could have totally been I your brain, I sit there and right? think about it, and I'm like, oh, well, maybe I should do this one. Maybe I should do that one. Mm-hmm. Maybe I should, like, yeah. do neither. Yeah. But, like, it's not always what my first instinct is. And I don't know how that relates 
to like, what if my brain went off saying, oh, it wants this one, even though that wasn't my first instinct to choose. Mm -hmm. Is that a cause of that? Or even, even still, if it was, that doesn't necessarily disprove like, uh, free, free will. Yeah. Yeah. That's totally. Yep. And there was a refute. There was a second refutation to that, uh, somewhere I read in this article because I was trying to, that's what you do when you're really worried that your like core beliefs are like going against the mainstream, like science is that you like look up articles that from like hinge subcultures that agree with you. So like, you know, I was really paranoid that like, oh man, the earth might actually be round. So I like looked up, okay, who agrees with me that the earth is flat? And then I, and then I freaking, uh, hopped on that train and I'd never, I just totally blanked out on that skydiving experience I had. What was it? I tried and like garbage that. Yeah. Um, we should talk about flat earth theory later. True. Okay. But you can see the curvature if you're high enough. Okay. So, um, <laughs> so, so, so free will. Yeah. It's, it's a thing. Um, I believe in a feedback loop. So like, I don't think people, I think people are free within the bounds that their knowledge base and experience has given them. Um, and oh, that they're, so and like that if they're given another opportunity to do the same thing, they would do it again, no matter what. Um, it's, it's, I, my, yeah if they were at the same point in their life, like that's the, I think, yeah. I think, I guess what I mean is they're not determined in the sense that like in the moment you, you have all of the available options Yeah. that you have, but the ones that the options that you have are totally hinged on like your past experience, your past, like so much yeah. is circumstantial at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, and, and so much about your psyche too. And about your unconscious, your gut, so much about your gut all comes down to like okay did you have a good family life what was your yeah. what was your culture growing up all that and so like actually... it's not like i'm ditching determinism completely i'm just saying that there needs to be room for responsibility and for uh, for responsibility you know yeah. um what is it yeah i mean if you were going to go 100% logic determinism is like totally the bomb i mean it's it's pretty foolproof but the thing is it doesn't account for morality which morality morality and free will are things that it's just my intuition is just too strong on for me to like agree with the abstract you know Mm -hmm. the abstract logic is never going to motivate me like a gut like a like a de facto part of life that i've lived with for my entire life will motivate me you know like i'm not just gonna say like oh wow this is totally a it's not a stretch at all and this actually makes a lot of sense even though everything in me knows like oh hey i can stand up i'm telling yeah. myself to stand up right now uh up and i'm sitting down right you know like yeah. but at the same time people are really predictable you know and uh geographically people uh, you know at least historically people the the variation in people and personalities it was greatly based on geography so like there's tons of evidence that yeah. like yeah circumstance and genetics just does everything but I don't think it's determined in the rigid sense, you know? I think it's a feedback loop, right? Like, you can change your circumstances, and then your circumstances will change you, yeah. which will sort of, in effect, you you are changing you, but what you are now, it, you didn't choose to be what you are now. Yeah. But you can change your circumstances, which change future you, so. Yeah, and I think as far as free will versus, like, the argument, free will versus, like, determinism, I think that gets so swept under the rug because it's like, oh, well, you have the will to do whatever you want. Like, that's what I believe. And then the other person's just like, no, I believe that, like, you were pre- that was predetermined to be your opinion, and you're like, you are forced to do that, and you mm. cannot prove either one. Like, there is no objective right. way yeah. to prove whether that's true or not. Because right. it just goes back and forth between, oh, you're just being, like, uh-huh. a butthole, or, and then like, <laughs> the other person's just like, no, you're being forced to do what you're doing by determinism, and so am I. 
right. and the other person's just like, no, you're just deciding to be stuck. <laughs> and like, it just goes back and forth. Like, it right. becomes just arbitrary. It's like, I can't believe like, in Santa Claus. Even if I wanted to, I couldn't. I'm determined. Yeah. And then you're like, no, dude, just freaking accept the light, yeah. right? Like, no, no, no. Like, whether it's logical or not, you can still choose to believe whatever well, you Well, actually, want. whether or not it could get proven, I mean, definitely depends on whether or not you have a physicalist <clears throat> uh, point of view. Because the physicalist would say every mental process is uh, is from the brain, right? At mm-hmm. the very least. And so... um. Well, some physicalists would say we can never uh, we can never prove either way because uh, mental events arise out of the physical brain, but they are not the same as the physical brain. Yeah. Um, and so they would disagree. But but most physicalists would say it's all within the brain. And once neuroscience gets there, we'll know, um, which is what people keep hinting at, which I'm scared for, honestly, because I really don't. We need free. And it's one of those things. Yeah, it's totally arbitrary because no one's going to. What do you do? Like, oh, we're all determined. Yay. Yeah. Like, shrug. I mean, but total like, shrug, right? Even like, if something comes out as being evidence for determinism or for free will, it doesn't... Like, there is literally no way to prove either one. Right. Like, yeah. Well, they might say there's a way we just haven't found yet, you well, know? Like, once neuroscience gets there, I you know? don't think there would be. Because even if they find some chemical process, that doesn't necessarily equate to the soul being bound to that decision. Right. Yeah. And that depends on what you believe and where you are in life and where you've been. So like, it's completely arbitrary. Yeah, it is arbitrary. And that's what, and that's, this is one of the biggest, uh, my dad was saying that's, this is one of his least favorite philosophical topics is just because he feels like it has no stake on like how his life is going to be lived because he's just going to live his life as though he were free. I mean, what else are you going to do? So yep. A sense of freedom and a sense of accountability are like definitely conducive to happiness. And those things get undermined when you, try and tell yourself that you're not in control of yourself yeah. like what i mean that totally that's not forward thinking at all that's not yeah. literally every self-help book ever every pr- productivity business book says like you can't have a victim mindset you are not a victim of circumstance get your haul your ass and pull yourself out of up of, by your bootstraps and go chase your dreams like that's literally every yeah. single <clears throat> ceo every single like successful person they're like dude just go for it you know yeah. well not every single some say oh i just got really lucky yeah. but like i mean which those what? people are honest too those people are honest yeah. too i'm not discounting what they're saying but the ones who write books typically aren't that <laughs> <laughs> yeah the ones who feel like their experience is important enough to shape the world uh-huh. don't typically have everything fall in their lap right yeah they don't typically necessarily even believe in themselves 100 percent of the time right yeah um, well anyways that was a good pot so the